Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Find Your Finish Line, presented by Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. I'm Mike Riley, your host, and this podcast is not only about you being able to find your finish line at a race or an event, but also in life. I'll talk to people from all walks of life that have overcome and jumped those hurdles to get to where they are today. So listen up, because I think you're going to love this one. It's time to welcome my guest to find your finish line. Her name isn't a household name in the world of endurance sports, but her story is in a lot of households throughout the U.S. and the world, for that matter. Her name's Jill Kosky. She's been a practicing psychologist with two undergraduate degrees. She's got a master's degree in home therapy. She's got two Ironman finishes under her belt in the top five. Uh, But then... In her late 30s, it kind of started, not kind of, it did spiral downhill, and we'll talk to her about that. Hello, Joe Kosky. How are you today? Hello, Mike Riley. I'm really happy to be with you. Well, good. You know, uh, when I ask you how you're doing, does that sometimes seem like it's a loaded question for you? Absolutely. I mean, there's so many different um, elements to how am I doing. Like I just shared with you, how am I doing physically? I broke my wrist two weeks ago. You know, how am I doing emotionally um, with my bipolar, with my outlook on life? You know, how am I doing with relationships? Am I selfish or am I giving? You know, there's all kinds of different things that I have a little checklist to do. And, um, and if I'm contributing or I'm taking. And uh, for the audience to know, Jill was incarcerated for eight years uh, with multiple DUIs. As she mentioned, her bipolar. Uh, And the reason, Jill, I wanted to have you on as a guest is because it's always such a hidden stigma to talk about mental illness. We talk about cancer. We talk about all types of cancers. We talk about people that are, you know, finishing a race with a prosthetic. But I, I never hear myself saying, well, this person battled mental illness for this many years. Why, why is that stigma out there? Well, I think even when you listen to, um, you know, the Olympics and Simone Biles, or you listen to Michael Phelps or other people, it's, even for myself, it was one of the hardest things to talk about because I was in the field. I mean, how in the heck can I be a family therapist and work as a psychologist? And I was in denial about being bipolar or depressed or having manic episodes. For me, um, I think it's one of the last stigmas we have. You know, it's easier for me to talk about my incarceration than to talk about the daily struggle. I'm, I've, I've been out now for six years, thank God, and I'm grateful for it. But I'm not out of my mental illness. You know, that's a daily thing. When something like that affects you on a daily basis uh, and you're living, you know, by the creed of one day at a time, how do you think uh, others like yourself can keep getting to that next day? What are, what are some of the things and some of the uh, lessons you've learned to help you get to that next day? Well, I, I'll tell you something as simple as this. Um, get up, make your bed because if your bed's not made, I'm, I'm serious. It's I, like I just agree. getting some structure. Otherwise the bed's not made and crawl back in it. Um, you know, uh, reach out to somebody. I mean, 
I get to wake up uh, most mornings, unless one of us is traveling, to my amazing wife and have a conversation and talk about, you know, what we're going to do for the day or what I'm grateful for. Or if I know it's not going to be that great of a day, to be honest with her about it um, and say, you know, I, I know I'm struggling. Um, it's also daily uh, taking medication. That was really a hard thing to, to um, have to do, but I've been doing it now for 15 years and it helps tremendously. So those kind of things. When you go back into your life and, and think about some of the warning signs that you may think about now that were warning signs back then, how, how old were you when you started thinking about, well, you know what, there's something going on here, but even though I don't want to admit it, but there's something going on. Was it in your teenage years? Was it before that? Was it after that? I think I've always, um, you know, I think my mom was undiagnosed um, bipolar and I always suffered. I think a lot has to do with how I was brought up. Both my parents were alcoholic and very distant. So I had a lot of anxiety um, and depression with that. But I think at the time I just thought it was situational. But what happened is I got older. I think I was probably in my late 20s and I was struggling um, with uh with anxiety and depression, and I went on an antidepressant. Unbeknownst to me, I was undiagnosed bipolar. And one of the things that's really important for me, and I think others, is uh, to be really honest about medic how medication affects us. Um, when I knew it, but I was in denial, I became very manic. I mean, I've got stories to say I bought a BMW on eBay. I bought a Harley Davidson on eBay. I bought little trinkets that cost $1.99. You know, I was just out of control. And um, I thought, well, I can afford it. So what's the problem? I didn't see the behavior at the time. And um, then what happened was um, I got my first DW. Uh, and I was um, on a sleeping medication. I fell. I busted my nose, put my teeth in my lower lip, and uh, tried to go get help and ran into my neighbor's tree. And... That was the process of taking a look at uh, the different aspects. And I went into a treatment program that had a dual diagnosis, at which point um, they were starting to peel back the onion about um, my bipolar. Wow. And, and I, I just, and a lot of people out there have a hard time understanding it all. And I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest issue. The, the, the best part about having a conversation like this is putting it out in the forefront. Do you see yourself, uh, have you been, I know when you were incarcerated, you started to get into therapy programs and help others like yourself. Did that all of a sudden start to fulfill you like buying that BMW did? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, that was just like trying to get nutrition out of a, a sugar cube. You know, it wasn't going in. It was that quick little fix. But no, I mean, I don't get um, any reward from material things. You know, they're nice and they're comfortable, but it's a relationship. You know, you've introduced me to a friend of yours who I am in contact with, who also struggles with some mental illness. And one of the a life preservers of myself is talking with others who um, are either having a great day or not a great day and being able to talk honestly about, you know, I'm not alone, not alone. 
Jill, was that the worst time of your life, being incarcerated? No. No. The worst time of my life is um, back... Oh, I think it was in my early 40s. The worst time of my life is when I gave up all hope. And um, I attempted suicide. And I was on it. I was intubated. And um, I wasn't going to make it. They didn't think I was going to make it. And uh, by grace, you know, I did. And the crazy part is, is I didn't even know what happened to me till six months later. I thought I just took medication, overdosed, and they gave me something to throw up and I was home the next day only to find out that's not what the story was. And that's a whole nother look, you know, for those of us who have those really, really dark days and you want to give up. I tried to give up and I'm so glad that the universe didn't give up on me. Jill, you're very, you're a very bright person. You're a learner. And, uh, I, I, I want to ask this in a way that it doesn't sound demeaning at all, but was do you think your pride and your ego kind of got in the way during that oh. time of your healing? Oh, God, absolutely. You know, ego comes out of fear. You know, uh, those of us who go into our ego places because we're afraid, and I'm afraid you're not going to like me, or I'm afraid you're, I'm not going to impress you because you're never going to like me just for me. It's only the things that I've done. Or it's only the things I've done for you. It's not just me being a human being. And so absolutely, pride and ego was a wall. Why, why is it that, that someone uh, can, can be looked at by others as, wow, look at her, look at him. They're this accomplished athlete. They're, they have these friends. They smile a lot and everything. But that... On the inside, because of mental illness, you feel defective in a way. You feel not whole. And when someone praises you, does that kind of like take something away from you as opposed to giving you something? Well, I, th I think initially, you know, it's like, wow, thanks. But then there's the inner voice that says, well, if you only knew. If you only really knew what was going on inside. Um, and then there's the pressure because... I used to do everything for people to like me. And so if I did well in something, they might be impressed. But then in my mind, that's never good enough. So the next time the pressure is to do even better or the next time is to do something even bigger. And it's just constantly on this uh, upworld, up, you know, climbing the mountain of bigger, better, because you just aren't going to like me for me. Do you, do you feel at times that, uh, obviously, we all have good days and we have bad days, better days and not so <laughs> better days, but uh, when, when it comes to a life like yours or others that are battling mental illness, and, and I, I go through mental issues a lot of, of not being able to, you know, uh, satisfy everybody at an event, and it's, it's a tough pull, but it's nothing like you've had. So do you find yourself where you may get down in the dumps in a day where it scares you a little bit? Oh, absolutely. And it scares my wife, you know, um, where I just I shut down or um, I become uh, more brittle in my conversations. It's because I'm not feeling OK with myself and it's either coming out crooked or I'm disappearing. 
and I uh, make excuses not to participate in some, you know, social event that's coming up because I just don't feel I can offer anything. And I'm, I'm really tired of faking things, you know. I, I, I don't want to present a front uh, like I've done most of my life that, you know, uh, Jill Kosky's all shiny, you know. I'm not. I'm human. Well, gosh, how many you are human, we are human, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, they go through life and they do fake things just because they because of an image factor, and, and uh, as we get older, it wears and it weighs down on, on one. I, I think we really have to recognize that. I, I read something that you wrote or you said, uh, you may have said it to me in the past, but uh, you think your path to healing is uh, you becoming much more humble than you were in the past. Oh. Why is that? Well, I think it's, it's humility is honesty. You know, it's not taking some sort of uh, praise and, and, and living my life by look what I've done, but rather it's a thank you and, you know, giving something back. Humility is huge for me because it doesn't mean I live in fear. It means I can say, you know what, whether it's, uh, you know, I'm really sorry I said this or, you know, um, being gracious rather than, you know, um, pretending I'm something I'm not. It's, it's, it's the, it's the opposite of ego. It's the opposite of fear. Cause when we're humble, we got to be honest. <laughs> that's yeah. sometimes a big risk, you know, that's not always easy. So you got out of, uh, you got out of jail and yeah. you had a goal. You had yeah. a goal to do Ironman Wisconsin and that was 2017. Yeah. 2017. I tell you know, I put the story in my book and just because, you know, fate has a certain way of either kicking you in the ass or waking you up <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. or just becoming something that's so just becoming something that's so doggone funny. So when we met in Wisconsin, I had never met you before. I said, let's meet near the finish line. And uh, we sat down and you turned around and looked behind you and said, Mike, isn't that, <laughs> isn't that the jail? <laughs> it is the Madison yeah. city jail right there at the finish line <laughs> in Madison. And I go, Oh my God, I was so embarrassed. I was mortified. I'm thinking, yeah. Riley, you jerk. You you invite <laughs> her to have this nice little chat with you and you want to meet her and you I think you planned it. It, it was it, but it, no, I didn't plan it. But what it told me a lot about you started laughing and oh, and sure. didn't care and it told me so yeah. much about you because you know, some of the best medicine in life is to be able to laugh at yourself, and mm -hmm. uh, I, and you and and you laughed at me too, which which I love. So I just couldn't believe that had happened. But you decided to do Ironman Wisconsin mm -hmm. after you got out of jail. Now, right. some oh, people say that, that you know you. I got it prison, Mike. I got it prison. Prison, not jail. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean that's a big that's clear. <laughs> in prison yeah and then you decided to do Wisconsin why well um, prior to uh, my uh, mental illness coming into full-fledged um, and my addiction um, I was a quite competitive triathlete 
You know, I've been to some uh, national events and been to some European events as an age grouper, of course. And I lost all of that, as we do when um, we're no longer able to live the life we want to live. First things to go are um, hobbies, exercise, taking care of oneself. And so I had such a strong community back in Minnesota of um, triathletes and duathletes um, that I admired who had stayed by my side. And um, when I got out, um, I didn't want to do something that I felt I had to really race at, you know, and, but I wanted to do something that represented what I thought would be two hours of competition for every year of incarceration. So that was my goal was to finish and kind of do a cleansing thing, you know, and uh, my goal was 16 hours and I kind of surprised myself. Yeah, you went like 14, didn't you? No, I did a 1204, brother. Oh, that's, oh my gosh. And you were top <laughs> four or five in your age group. That's right. I, I, but I, why, why I was so shocked too, is because you told me you were going to go like 15, 16 hours yeah. and here you come at the 12 hour mark. So I go, there's another thing she's fooling me with. What is this? <laughs> no, not at all. But there's an interesting thing I want to, I want to share about that is being a competitor and um, thinking sure. I would just kind of cross the finish line and hear your voice calling me an Iron Man, and that would be, you know, I get my medal and I'm a done deal. Um, but I placed, and it was shocking, it was exciting. But like I told you, then comes the pressure I put on myself that now I took fifth. What are people going to expect the next time I do one? You know, and so I, I tend to lose the enjoyment of it all because I'm fearful. Of someone going, why did she just do a 15 and a half the next one around? But a friend of mine who um, is just an athlete and, and near and dear came to watch. And uh, I was 11 minutes out of qualifying for Hawaii at that race of my age group. And she said, you know, Jill, would you have rather gone to Hawaii or would you have rather touched over 10,000 lives because... Dave and Mel did that interview of me and it was at the, um, at the dinner. I wasn't there, but you know, it, it was broadcast and all of a sudden, you know, there's responses and people are seeing it. And it was just like, you know, again, check that ego, Koski, check that ego and get humble that my story, uh, is not just mine. You know, there's a lot of people's stories that are like mine. And I do remember looking at the audience while that video was playing, and there, were, there was, you could hear a pin drop a mile away. I, I, you're right. Everybody was affected by it, and hopefully some are helping be healed by it. Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. As an endurance athlete, you're constantly pushing your body to new limits, searching for your personal best for the next finish line. If you're training for an endurance event, whether short distance or long distance, proper recovery is the key to you unlocking your potential. As the official topical pain relief partner for the Ironman US series, Activice's lineup of topical cooling gel, roll-on and spray features 8% menthol and eucalyptus oil to provide the instant icy relief you need to recover smarter and faster. The water-based, non-sticky formula withstands sweat to keep up with the demands and exertion of race day. Don't let muscle pain or sprains hold you back from reaching your potential, from reaching your personal best. 
Shop the Activices lineup on Amazon today for the support you need to find your finish line. Joe, I actually love that. Helping others without strings attached. Those strings can become ropes to people, can't oh. they? <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it takes away the genuineness. You know, I, again, I think it, it goes back to 100% my insecurity, you know, and um, of wanting to please and wanting to be liked. And I think that's really a common thread. I mean, we want to be liked, you know, and... And then the, the uh, as you mentioned before, medication is important, uh, but that combined with the therapy of working out, having a passion, now your passion seems to be pickleball. <laughs> and by the way, everybody, that broken wrist is because she fell on the pickleball court. It's not like she fell off her bike doing a 100-mile ride, but that's no big deal. <laughs> you just fell deal. on the pickleball court. So to me... <laughs> You are. You're very. You're very athletic. Oh, but yeah. as I mentioned, you know the combination of the meds and and being able to work out that that has to work in unison, doesn't it? Oh, it all does. And not only is it medication. You know, people think, well, I'm just going to take a med and then everything's going to be fine. It's not. Uh, my particular medication um, helps me not go up, down. It keeps me more like this. However. Uh, that's still not going to do it entirely. You know, it's it's about my relationships. It, it's about being transparent. And it's also for those of us, you know, are uh, struggling with something, it's about finding a provider. And I have a really great provider back in Minnesota. And um, I also have to be very honest with her. You know, if things aren't going that great, I need to ch touch base and then she can make some adjustments, you know, to, you know, what are going on. And one of the times a year that is a struggle for me, it's not so much the Christmas time, but now the days are so much shorter. You know, it's darker in the morning, it's darker at night, and I'm a sunshine girl, you know? That's interesting, because my next question was going to be because of holiday time and New Year's time, there's always these expectations of of pleasing others and mm -hmm. buying gifts, and and there's too much to do and a lot of parties, and there's alcohol thrown in front of you and that's why I thought this time of year would be tough for those reasons but the the light in the dark makes a makes a lot of sense uh how can one get through this time of year that's having that struggle of trying to satisfy everybody what are some of the tips that you give yourselves that yourself that you can give others well um one of the things is you know my my wife and I um really we give each other gifts throughout the year. So Christmas isn't, isn't the stress of, you know, finding something perfect. We find a few little knickknacks or a few little, okay, I found her a really cool bag for her bike. You know, that was on back order. So she got a new bike, so she's going to have that. And I think she, you know, got me something. It's under 50 bucks. So <laughs> it keeps you pretty limited. But, you know, um, gifts, oh, that, I think gifts alone are so stressful about wanting to find the perfect gift. And um, fortunately, we don't do a lot of gift exchanges. And those people who do, I hope you like shopping. I particularly don't. But as far as going to parties, I hang out with really, really cool people. And I'm not pressured to go to any one of them unless I don't want to. You know, so, uh, you know, I found a really, really good crew out here in Colorado. And um, I'm blessed to hang out. 
Yeah, you live in a fantastic area, and I, I you know, I understand the daylight thing because even when the sh short days in Southern California, you, you got to try to get a workout in in the daylight because it just seems to do something for you. It, oh yeah, it fills you up a little more than those than those four a.m. workouts, which suck. <laughs> but they, well, are, do we have? As I mentioned, the pickleball thing. What's that? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, I'm not riding a bike anywhere at this point, except for downstairs. So thank goodness for uh, podcasts and um, recorded uh, television shows. Well, yeah, I got a suggestion what podcast you can listen to if you go on that bike in the basement. But that's no big deal. Uh, we'll talk about <laughs> uh, that later. <laughs> done by Mike Riley. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, no. We gotta, really. we gotta check your email. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Good luck. What, what about, uh, what about the future of getting back in that water and the bike and the run and triathlon side? What, what do you, what do you think about that for 2022? Well, actually, I did sign up for a race. Um, uh, I'm gonna do Boulder. Whoa. I what? did. I know it's been three years. I signed up for Boulder, but you know, my wrist is really uh, not in a good spot. So fortunately right now I don't need surgery, but I, you know, if it does heal, when it does heal, I'm going to have to do rehab and physical therapy. So it's, it's going to be a minute, but fortunately swimming is my strongest event because of high school and college. So I can plow my way through that. But it's, it's disappointing to say the least, you know, but here's an example. Um, we were just down in California at Indian Wells for the National Pickleball Championship. I would have loved to have banged that little, uh, you know, plastic ball around, but instead we cheered our brains out for a lot of friends that were um, down there from Colorado. And so if you can't play it, cheer for it. I love it. I love it. National pickleball content. It is getting so big. I, we've got friends play pickleball. Uh, I'd rather go ride my bike right now, but that, that's, 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 a, that's another. Are you being judgy? No, I'm not. I'm not being judgy. I, I'm really not. Uh, uh, you know, whatever floats your boat. You know, I'm not. I'm not being judgy at all. Jeez. I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. I know. You know, the one thing that keeps popping in my head right now that I've wanted to ask the whole interview is, is uh, it, it's easy to do, and it seems like it's the worst thing you can do, and that's the isolation of isolating yourself uh, from others. Even though you're with them, you're still isolating yourself in your mind. Uh, that, that's almost like a disease in itself, isn't it? Oh, without question. You know, I think it goes right down to, you know, um, not being present. You know, in the past, I could, I could be in a room full of a whole lot of people and not feel like I fit in, you know, trying to, uh, again, it comes right down to not feeling comfortable in my own skin, trying to impress somebody, trying to, or not personalize, my gosh, uh, they didn't say hello to me when I walked in the door. You know, I personalized everything before wow. and so you know not doing that kind of stuff and just being honest you know sometimes I'm gonna have a day just by myself and then when I do not beat myself up like I said my wife is so understanding if that's the space I'm in then a day might be the space I'm in but it doesn't last more than a day you know but I have those you know I'm not gonna lie and I I used to beat myself up for that you know What's wrong with me? 
Well, I guess sometimes there's nothing wrong with me. It's just what I need for that day. What advice would you give uh, the, the, the women and men out there that are that are struggling and and don't know where to go or who to call or what to do? And maybe they've been battling with some mental issues for quite a while, but they really haven't taken any action with it. And, and you know, that first step is always the hardest in a race, uh, going to school, getting that job, going to the job. The first step's always the toughest. What what advice can you give them on their first step to start helping themselves out? Well, I, I hope all of us have someone in our life, and I know not all of us do, that they, they trust, that they feel close with, that, you know, you don't have to just jump into, I think I have depression, but maybe start talking about, you know, I've been really struggling, you know, with my energy level, or I've been struggling, you know, participating in some things and, and just begin the conversation without a label. It doesn't have to have a label. You know, mental illness is not, you know, a fun little bumper sticker to put on your car, but we all know sadness. You know, we all know low energy. We all know different things, but if it's, if it's a struggle, you know, talk to somebody and hopefully then um, get a referral to someone who you can you can meet with. You know, therapists are amazing. You get their hopefully full undivided attention, and whatever you say doesn't leave the room. And then maybe they'll have an opportunity to, you know, give you a recommendation. Maybe you're spiritual. Maybe there's someone spiritual in your life that you can sit, sit down, you know, and, and talk with. But like I said, I'm not going to lie. It was the hardest last bridge for me to, to go over. I'm, I'm getting kind of sick and tired of labels, but I don't see it that way anymore. But initially I did. I thought if I'm mentally ill, then and that's isn't all it, I am. Uh, and I'm not. Egos. You know what I was just thinking <laughs> of? I, I, it's probably, I know it is. It's harder for men to take that step. Uh, I, I, I believe, I don't know, just in my mind, I'm thinking it's harder for the, for the men out there to take that step than it is for women. Do you think that's true? Well, you know, um, I think that's kind of the, the thought process, but you know, I don't, I don't know. We all suffer the same, you know, and it's just, it's about, you know, finding someone you can trust. And, you know, right before I did this interview or talking with you, I was over at my neighbor's gabbing and, and. Uh, right before I was like, what have I gotten myself into? You know, what am I doing? Again, splaying myself open in front of you and other people. And she sat there and she said, Jill, what you're sharing, so many people need to hear because so many of us struggle and it's taking the stigma away. And it's, it's making us human because if we don't talk about it, secrets keep us sick. You know, they just really keep us sick and they keep us isolated. You know, it's, that's, it's just, you know, that perfection thing and that ego thing. But I feel the most blessed and honored when someone shares their story with me, where they take a risk and say, you know, I'm hurting in this way or I'm struggling this way or I'm embarrassed this way or I'm concerned about this thing. You know, I'm like, wow, thank you. And so I have to realize that other people might be saying, thank you. Jill, we're talking about your story because that's relationship, you know, that's relationship. Wow. Well, uh, uh, you know, when you just said secrets 
make us sick. That is so powerful, mm -hmm. so powerful. And, and no matter if you're battling mental illness or anything in your life, secrets can uh, have a way of of uh, eating away Absolutely. Uh, at us. That, that's just very, very powerful. Joe, on Find Your Finish Line, we have uh, an ending question that I call Tri-Table Racing. It comes out of the Baja 1000 racing down in the Baja, uh, in, the, in the desert down there, because they all the racers down there sit, sit around the table afterwards, reminisce about the race. Mm -hmm. And some friends of mine are in that uh, world, so they told me about it. And I said, well, I'm going to do something like that, Tri-Table Racing, as a question for you okay. to reminisce about an event you did uh, good or bad, a great memory you have, uh, whatever it is, reminisce with us about an event that you did. Well, um, I think one of the most challenging events I did was down in Florida. Um, it was going to be in Panama City, but it was moved to the 70.3 venue. And um, I didn't think it was going to happen. It was a real struggle. I stopped training. You know, it was kind of like a bummer. But I got down there and... Um, uh, my swim went really well. However, the sign said, watch for alligators. I know. And I couldn't believe it. I was worried about jellyfish. Now I got alligators chewing on me. I couldn't I, believe it. I even when I saw, I saw it, I go, you got to be you kidding, kidding me. me. I was like, jellyfish, I can't get stung. So the first 56 miles of the bike went phenomenal. Fastest I've ever done. Great course. And then um, something with my nutrition and hydration, you know, it was 70 point something dew point and it was really, really hot and I was not prepared. And, um, I think you're, you know, this, you know, I finished the race. I shouldn't have, that's where stubbornness comes in. I, I, I should have pulled off. I mean, I think there's times where we all need to be aware of our body and, um, you know, I ended up in ICU and they thought I had a heart attack and it was rhabdo something or other. But I damaged, I had overstressed my heart and it released enzymes that are the same with a heart attack. And so um, for me, that was remembering again the ego. It was my second Ironman. I've got a place. I've got a place. And rather than saying, you know, life is much more than how you place in an Ironman. Or if you can't, you can't finish it, but at least I started it. But being more aware and not putting my body through something like that or my family through something like that. You know, it scared me and it scared a lot of people. So I think that's the race I'll remember is really keeping in check of what I can do and what I can't do. Oh, that damn ego thing, huh? <laughs> <I know>. Jeez. <laughs> Should we just cover my face and put E-G-O on it? <laughs> no. Ego I'm not. <laughs> I'm not talking only, you know, about you and what yeah. you've said, but... I've come across a lot of egos over the years, and and mine included, and they they just get in our way, and yeah. they and they make us a person that we we actually don't want to no, be. No, 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 But you end up portraying that to others, so that's when you got to step back and know that the humbleness is the strength, right. uh, is is the real strength. So before we go, I want to thank you profusely for laying it out there. And uh, I did have one more question because usually that one was my last, but it was something that uh, I also read that you, you have to have a purpose every day. What's your purpose today, Jill? What's my purpose today? To spend the evening yeah. with my wife with Christmas lights and uh, be grateful. That's, that's the, you know, it's, it's nighttime here. Um, my day's been fantastic. 
but it, it's just to connect with someone I love beyond words. That's the rest of my purpose. Well, Jill Kosky, I, I love who you are. I love that you're able to let so many other people know the path you took because uh, there's no doubt that that path that you took is healing other paths. And uh, I think that's going to keep happening and happening. So thank you very much for laying it all out there with us and talking about the ego and all that good <laughs> stuff and, and uh, being a guest on Find Your Finish Line. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome. Another edition of Find Your Finish Line, everybody. Thank you for joining us, and thank you to Activice, the official topical pain relief partner of Iron Man. They've been with us all year long, Activice and Curad, and thank you very much for that. And also, if you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or Overcast, or on my website, MikeRiley.net. And let us know. Give us a review. Let us know how we're doing. I'd love to hear it. Everybody, we all know we go through struggles in life each and every day. Always set that goal to find your finish line, and it'll help you along the way. As always, happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays, everybody, and my warmest aloha. <laughs>